0: You may have heard of the Bloomberg Terminal. It's expensive software that can monitor and analyze real-time financial market data. But have you heard of OpenBB? It's similar software for real-time and long-term analysis for finance and investing. The difference is it's open source and built entirely with Python. and gives you access to analyze a massive amount of real-time data and historical data using the full Python data science stack. On this episode, we have one of the co-founders, James Maslick, here to give us a look inside this cool piece of Python-based software. This is Talk Python to Me, episode 370, recorded June 9th, 2022. Welcome to Talk Python to Me, a weekly podcast on Python. This is your host, Michael Kennedy. Follow me on Twitter where I'm at mkennedy and keep up with the show and listen to past episodes at TalkPython.fm and follow the show on Twitter via at TalkPython. We've started streaming most of our episodes live on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel over at TalkPython.fm slash YouTube to get notified about upcoming shows and be part of that episode. This episode is brought to you by Sentry and their awesome error monitoring product as well as the Python at Scale Summit conference being held in October. Reconnect with your data science colleagues this year. Transcripts for this and all of our episodes are brought to you by Assembly AI. Do you need a great automatic speech-to-text API? Get human-level accuracy in just a few lines of code. Visit talkpython.fm assemblyai. James, welcome to Talk Python to Me. Yeah,
1: no, thank you all so much for having us. I'm looking forward to the next hour or so.
0: Yeah, so am I. I ran across OpenBB. Not too long ago, I talked about it on my other podcast, Python Bytes, I do with Brian Aachen, we cover like interesting projects and news and whatnot. And like, dang, this thing is this thing is loaded with the Python data science stack. And on top of that, it's a newly really successful open source project in the sort of business VC space as well. So congratulations on on building a project and on that. And I think people are going to be pretty fascinated to hear the story behind it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. You bet. Before we get to the story of OpenBB, let's get to the story of James. How'd you get into programming in Python?
1: I've only been in Python for a couple of years. My background, I'm uh, along with OpenBB, I'm a PhD student at University of Maryland Physics. Got into Python when I was getting bored of MATLAB. (laughs) Awesome. Started taking an interest in some uh, machine learning, data science. Python seemed to be the way to go. Uh, It was super straightforward a lot of similar similarities with matlab
0: especially you know numpy Pyplot. Mm-hmm. so it was straightforward never looked back that's awesome yeah the jupyter side data science side of python is quite similar to matlab although it's a slightly cleaner language starts with 0 not 1 on the indexes
1: it does and uh, matlab their attempt at jupyter is uh, not exactly where jupyter is yet so
0: i haven't had cuz they had a head start right I mean, MATLAB predates Jupiter by a long ways. Yeah, well, their their live editor is only a couple of years old, uh, or, okay, at least, or at least at least a couple of years old to me. Yeah, sure, it probably is. I my last experience with MATLAB was when I was in grad school as well, which has been a while, so <laughs> it's a little bit a little bit back there. Awesome. Well, that sounds like really fun. I guess you started playing with Jupiter and the various data science tools for physics, right? Not for finance. Correct. Uh, uh, correct. It was. Uh, you know, NumPy, all that fun stuff for doing some
1: physics, SciPy calculations. Right I did go right into the machine learning Kaggle. Fantastic exercise. Really, actually, my first uh, my first dive into Python. I love doing these uh, NFL uh, challenges that they have every year. Mm-hmm. So that was where I first, first fell
0: in love with the language, if you will. NFL's challenge sounds really interesting. I've seen some Kaggle challenges and done other similar type of challenges, but I'm not familiar with this one. Tell us about it.
1: Every year, it seems like they... Actually, they have a couple as far as I know, uh, they usually do like an analytics one where you got to present some kind of notebook and then a numeric one, you know, think of you're watching Sunday football AWS, which actually, if you got my, got my bills flag in the background. Yeah. right. On. This particular one that I started on, you know, you were looking at, you were given the information at a given point in time and you were to estimate using whatever machine learning, not machine learning, how far the runner would go. And so that was a great introduction, Voronoi regions and decision trees, all that fun stuff.
0: I think those kind of challenges are really interesting because they don't require you to be developer or code enthusiast. You can just be excited about football yeah, and it could drag you into programming instead of the other way around.
1: Yeah, actually the way that I did it and I, I don't think I did, I didn't do too great on the challenge, uh, you know, no medals or anything, but I actually treated it as a physics problem as a, all the players as a gas particles and this one. Fun stuff. So there was like, really wasn't any machine learning there.
0: Interesting. And just sidebar, I got to say the Chiefs Bills. I'm a Chiefs fan. Grew up in Kansas City. Got to say that was one. That's probably the best game of all last year. Out of all the games, that I, was,
1: that's the best game of all time. I mean,
0: I mean, maybe not. It's a little painful if you're on the Bills side. But wow, what an insane game! All right, I, I don't want to make it a football show, but that was the highlight of the entire year. I think actually. Game well, low oh, light. Low light on my side. <laughs> the low light. Yeah, because uh, for those who don't know, basically the. The Chiefs came back and beat the Bills in the last like minute and a half in some insane way, which is unfortunate, but it was really exciting. All right. Final background question. What kind of physics did you study?
1: So I do uh, atomic, molecular, and optical, uh, particularly cold atoms and optical lattices, okay, periodically driving
0: this kind of stuff. Cool. That sounds awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about this, the space of these things that you, this thing you've created here. So what you've created is something called Open BB which described as the most affordable, advanced, open, customizable investment research platform. And to me, from the outside, not having a ton of experience, this looks like maybe a competitor to a Bloomberg terminal, which I hear is is required, basically, if you're a stock trader, an investor, that's doing you know sort of real-time interaction with the market.
1: I do have to take a step back as well and say that, that I'm the... Founder of this program uh, or this project, Didier, you know, mm-hmm. he's the one with the real insight. I was just lucky enough to join on early to build a lot of this with him. Mm-hmm. He spent his Christmas uh, coding this and, uh, you know, from there. But to uh, but to talk a little bit about it, yeah. So the I don't like to call us a Bloomberg competitor. You know, Bloomberg has been in the game for quite a long time, they're very advanced. They have all the
0: markets and whatnot. Sure. People will say, well, you do you have this one feature? Well, then we can't. You know, like it's it's not like a competitor because it has that other. Yeah, sure. But from a really high level of perspective, it kind of is in that realm, right?
1: Right, right, right. At a high level, yes. We're trying to achieve a lot of the same goals, right? Investment research that's free, open source, and available to anyone. We want to target, you know, the people who can't drop 25 grand a year for the terminal.
0: Yeah, you know, what's interesting to me, what, what struck me about this is it's not just, oh, here's a an open source version or here's a free version or a cheaper version that would be something of a stand-in for that type of thing. But here is something that is from the ground up embracing all of these data science tools and libraries from the Python space. <laughs> so to me, this looks like an completely customizable, programmable, extendable thing for people who have Python skills. And in that way, it's massively better than a lot of these commercial projects, right? That's
1: exactly it, right? So Bloomberg is the big name in this space. You know, you got your icons, your refinitives. There's a lot of great other other tools, you know, you got coifinmoney.net terminals out there, but none of them provide the level of customization and open source that we do. As you said it's super Python-based, right? And the reason we chose Python is that's up and coming, right? Everyone in data science seems to be learning it. Finance is, you know, finance is very embedded in Excel. And yeah. there's there's some shift towards more Python learning in the space. So doing this in Python, as you said, is super customizable. You can do it the way, you know, you can add on very easily, fork it, add on a feature,
0: add on your own data sets, and pretty user-friendly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Just to sort of back up what you're saying, pre-COVID, I was hired by an investment firm to actually spend time with their day traders. And it was weird because they're like, well, they can't be away from their desk when the market is open. So this class has to start at 4.30 or 5 p.m. and then go for a little afterwards. it It was an interesting setup, but it was just that. It was a bunch of traders who were using Excel to try to figure out how well they were doing and then a couple of people on the team are like, we have to learn Python. We have to get better tools. So I went and helped them learn Python so that they could stop using Excel and start using Python. It's absolutely where a lot of this momentum is going.
1: Yeah, I think that they complement each other very well. You know, Pandas, I don't think anyone can say enough about how great Pandas is. You know, you can enter in all of your, whatever your trades are, whatever your research is, and it's right in a Jupyter
0: Notebook in one line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not to say stop using it, but there's, there's a ton of stuff happening in the financial space around Python. And I do believe that Pandas actually came out of investment, out of, out of uh, Wall Street. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's the history. So let's start with open source. So we could go to the website. Your website is openbb.co, fan of the .co. We don't need, who needs that M? <laughs> but we can go over to get up here. And there it is. We can fork it, do whatever we want. Let's see, what is your your license? is MIT, which is like go crazy sort of thing, right? Yeah, we're permissive. Feel free to do whatever you want with it. Yeah, it's really nice. Even commercial uses the MIT license has. But what stood out most to me when I thought, oh, this is really interesting, and then I looked at this, I'm like, oh, this actually has a lot of momentum here, is you've got 12,000 stars and 1.3 thousand forks. That's a lot for any project. I mean, we're on par with some of the big web frameworks not long ago and stuff like that. You all must be really happy with the uptake that it's getting
1: yeah the community response has been overwhelming when i joined on it was a couple thousand stars didier and i you know we f- fired up discord and we were hitting reddit which posts weekly monthly and you know it took very well
0: people were very excited we're super thankful for the community uh that's gotten us to where we are i guess one thing i maybe would like to see possibly, I think what would be really fun is maybe you could just talk us through what the experience of using this is because it's an unusual UI, and I don't mean that like oh, it's it's weird, but it's just it's not a web page, it's not a Jupyter notebook. It's imagine I'm pretty much exactly opening up iTerm or terminal.
1: Yeah, it's a terminal.
0: <laughs> it's a command line interface. In like in very much the sense that it's as a terminal, it means it runs as TUI, a text based user interface type thing. But then as you do reports and interact with it through a CLI style or almost of a IPython style experience, it pops up windows of really beautiful interactive graphs, the various things you're asking for. Can you give people a sense of what it's like to use? What's the user experience there?
1: Yeah, so the terminal is a command line interface tool, right? So you open it, you launch it, python terminal.py, and you're presented yeah. with a list of choices, right? So we call these contexts. That's either going to be your stocks or your crypto ETFs. We provide, you know, we, we provide a lot of data. And in order to access these, you, you type in, it's what one of these old video games where you got to type in what you want, right? So if you want to go into stocks, you type in stocks and then you're presented with a new menu. So you, you hit it exactly how it is that it's completely textual. You know, all of our commands have additional options flags as well. Our documentation for some of these functions is listed on our GitHub page. And we're trying to really enhance the user experience in terms of guides and documentation. Since we do know that this is a very unusual user experience, as you said, it's not a website. There's nothing to click. It's all textual based, which we understand is going to be, not everyone using this product is going to be familiar with the command line interface and, you know, our sure. team we actually like to call it hacker man because, you know, you feel like you're in a, <laughs> doing your financial research, you feel kind of hackery.
0: Absolutely. You're just, you're, you're typing away stuff is streaming by. It's so funny to have normal people who are not coders watch people doing stuff with terminals, especially if there's colors they think something nefarious is going on or something crazy is going on because that's how it's always <laughs> represented for hackers. I remember somebody asked me at a coffee shop, I was had like five terminal windows all running scripts with stuff scrolling. i like, are you trying to hack the coffee shop? Like, no, I'm just working. Don't interrupt me, please. <laughs> I'm not hacking anyone. Leave me alone. Yeah, it's, it kind of has that feel, right? But it also... Something that I think that speaks to is like the seriousness and the the real, like this is for people who are trying to do real work. It doesn't come up and just go like, here's some buttons you can click and it's flashy. It's like, you got to get in there, focus on the, you know, on the various aspects, whether you're doing stocks or, or whatever it is and, and learn the commands, but then you should be able to fly through it, right?
1: Yeah. And we actually, one of the things that we spent a little bit of time on earlier this year was making it so that you can actually chain commands, right? You can, if you know your if you know what your workflow is you can either run it through a script so you can basically go into into the terminal set up what we call an openbb file you know if you every morning what you do you go you do stocks you look at i don't know the top gainers and then you look at what apple's volume was yesterday you can put this all in a script run it go fire up your coffee come back and you've got all your graphs you've got all of your tables and you know really simplifying the workflow and then when you're done with that, if you forgot something in one line, you know what it is, you can type in, you, know, you do a backslash stocks, load in your ticker and whatever you want. So as you said, once you know the terminal, it's really easy to hop around.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, before we talk about some of the features and some of the things you can do, because I think I'll, I'll point people to the right part on your website, but once you see what you've got here, it's like, this has a bunch of great visualizations and, and so on. But Let's just talk about some of the Python libraries that are available. It sounds like a lot of the big hitters from the data science and machine learning space are, are there. Very much
1: so, right? So the number one library we pretty much use is going to be a request. You know, we're hitting APIs, turning those into data frames, reading HTMLs,
0: yeah, displaying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, before we move on from requests, because a request is a, is a very cool library, but it also opens up the question of, where does request go like it looks like there's tons of real time data here and i know that financial data especially in the real time variation can be tricky to get a hold of or it maybe not tricky but requires money <laughs> you know, that, this is a very good that, that that's, that's some variant of tricky isn't it <laughs> that is and actually you do raise a very good point right so in the
1: terminal we do provide different different endpoints for different sources. So for example, if you want to load a, load in stocks, you can either go from Yahoo Finance, you can go from an Alpha Vantage, or you can go from Polygon or IEX Cloud. All of these require your own API key. So in order to, part of kind of the onboarding into the terminal is to explore all the data sources we have available, go get your API keys. And uh, we try to keep it free, uh, but we are starting to incorporate some more kind of paid you know, endpoints that can be paid.
0: Right, right. So if somebody has already has a subscription to some data source, why not let them integrate that, right? Exactly. That's exactly it. Okay. So we're not distributing any of the data. We're just basically providing the tools for you to access it. Got it. Yeah, that sounds, sounds really neat. Is there some web scraping, some beautiful soup, or is it all APIs?
1: There is. So we
0: try to keep it. To APIs because they're more stable. Yeah, more you never open. know what yeah. tags are going to change.
1: But yeah, beautiful soup is is in there. Right, beautiful soup's a great library. Mm-hmm. There is web scraping. Yeah, you know? yeah. I figured
0: you know, like sometimes that's just how it works, right? Sometimes people don't have APIs, but they've got websites. They do. Kind of a, a cumbersome API. If you go to it,
1: I've also become a fan of pandas. Uh, just. Uh, you can pandas will do all that for do the scraping for you uh, with the
0: read HTML if you just type in a link. I was blown away. Chris Moffat did a course for Talk Python on replacing Excel with pandas and stuff. And some of the things you can do to get data off the internet with pandas, I'm like, why don't I just do this? This is so much better. You could point it at a web page that might have a whole bunch of text and images, and and somewhere in there is a table. Could be multiple tables. You can say, go to the third table and get me that as a data frame, and bam. They're like even with beautiful soup, that's there's a lot of steps to get to a parsed data frame with header values <laughs> and columns. Yeah,
1: pandas so, is fantastic, and you know
0: that's a
1: lot of a lot of requests, a lot of pandas, a lot of.
0: This portion of Talk I Me mean, is brought to you by Sentry. How would you like to remove a little stress from your life? Do you worry that users may be encountering errors, slowdowns, or crashes with your app right now? Would you even know it until they sent you that support email? How much better would it be to have the error or performance details immediately sent to you, including the call stack and values of local variables and the active user recorded in the report? With Sentry, this is not only possible, it's simple. In fact, we use Sentry on all the TalkPython web properties. We've actually fixed a bug triggered by a user and had the upgrade ready to roll out as we got the support email. That was a great email to write back. Hey, we already saw your error and have already rolled out the fix. Imagine their surprise. Surprise and delight your users. Create your Sentry account at talkpython.fm Sentry. And if you sign up with the code talkpython, all one word, it's good for two free months of Sentry's business plan, which will give you up to 20 times as many monthly events as well as other features. Create better software, delight your users, and support the podcast. Visit talkpython.fm slash sentry and use the coupon code talkpython. So I sort of derailed your conversation, but one of the things that first came to mind is like, okay, if this is open source, where is it getting all this interesting data from? So thanks for some of the story there. What else? What other major libraries are at play here? All of our plotting right now is through PyPlot. When people see those, uh, when you're in the terminal and you ask for some kind of visualization, it pops up with that interactive window. Those are PyPlots? Yes. Yes, this is all PyPlots.
1: All the styling is done in-house. We have a fantastic designer, fantastic uh, engineer,
0: did a great job of doing some style sheets. Yeah, it really does look quite strikingly nice. So yeah. awesome.
1: And all of these are, uh, as we, you know, we like to say, it's customizable. All these style sheets are available to the end user. They're packaged right into the terminal. You can go through. If you don't like our blue, you can
0: change that to green. Yeah, you've got machine learning, PyTorch, TensorFlow, sklearn.
1: PyTorch is a tricky subject for us because we're. it's tough to bundle into an installer. Currently, we have some Keras models built in. You do have to install that, right, because TensorFlow is a pretty big library. We are working on incorporating uh, the open source darts library, which is PyTorch based. Mm -hmm. And that'll also allow for, you know, uh, flares like an an example of an NLP model that's deep learning based. And talking about machine learning, we do also have NLP models using vader sentiment.
0: Oh, interesting. Because if you could say, what is the sentiment on Twitter? Or what is it on? You know the news sites. Maybe that's going to uh, affect.
1: Yeah. So that's actually something we had done. Uh, you can actually try to do some correlation with Vader sentiment on news headlines from one of our data providers, and we'll actually throw that on the same chart uh, as the price, uh, as the
0: stock price. Yeah. Okay. Super cool. All right. Now, before I, I was going to ask you about how to like sort of do your extra, your add your own extras to it, but let's actually go and just talk about some more of the like the visualizations and some of the the pictures. The graphs that you guys, types of questions you can answer, basically. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you can get it through a Windows or a Mac OS installer. Correct. Are you doing something like using Py2App or Py2Exe or PyInstaller or something like that to try to bundle it all up? Or is it just sort of a, a scripted, make sure you got Python? And-
1: we bundle with PyInstaller. PyInstaller? Yes. Okay. So we use PyInstaller. By we, I mean our engineering team. That's a little above my, my ability <laughs> there. <laughs> Okay. We are in the process of getting this uh, signed through Apple, and I believe Windows came through today. So okay. at the end of the so week... you
0: don't get the yellow, uh, do you want to let this happen? You get the just the regular, do you want to let this happen? Yes. UAC dialog in Windows, and you'll get something similar in Mac.
1: Yes. And the reason we have this installer is we understand you know the end user is not... Necessarily going to be someone that wants to go through and change all the Python.
0: Sure. Well, it's awesome that it is Python and the people could do it, but it's it's certainly not intended just for Python people, right? It's intended for investors who may or may not be. And we uh, have Pythoners. I don't
1: want to give them an accurate, but we've got what, almost 200 dependencies. So, and everyone's machine acts differently. <laughs> you know, you do a git pull and then you run poetry install, you know, maybe. It it acts differently on everyone's machine. So we wanted to provide this option for folks to be able to just click a button and have it right there.
0: Well, I think it's great. And, and, you know, that is ideally how software should be delivered, right? You shouldn't have to, like, build it and download all the pieces. You just go, here's the thing I click, I put it there, and now now it runs. But it's often not how it is distributed. I guess just calling out other two other ways people get it. They can go to Anaconda and get it there. And you can also do a Docker yep. type of thing, right? If, if you want, but
1: yeah. yeah, cool. For developers, if you want to, you know, you can do a Git pull with your Conda environment, fork it, feel free to change it.
0: Uh, we're always open
1: to any pull requests.
0: Awesome. All right. So let's maybe talk through some of the things that I can do. And then we'll talk about some of the internals. Yeah, of course. You mentioned that there's this whole stock section and I just totally encourage people to come over to openbb.co slash product slash terminal. And then you sort of just scroll through here and you get a bunch of, Cool visualizations. You'll see why I was impressed, I think. So here's, like, you come up and say, I want the, the Q sum." I guess the cumulative sum is a sequential analysis technique that shows any, func- you know, sort of cumulative function applied to something like uh, a stock price over time. Or, or whatever,
1: So this right? is just an example. Uh, so if you go into stocks and, you know, just for everyone listening, we're going through the website right now. And the first thing you'll see on our stocks, uh, pay, or on our product, on our terminal product page under stocks is this QSUM. And for example, you would load in whatever your ticker is, and this would be found under quantitative analysis. So, you know, stocks load in Apple, and then you type in QA, and then you'd have all these options. QSUM is one of them. Mm-hmm. And this is a time series, uh, like like I said there, it's a time series technique of de- te- uh, detecting anomalies, if you will. Yeah,
0: and you get little call outs of those, those events and so on. You've got. 3D graphs of volatility surfaces for, in this case, for Apple.
1: Yep, volatility surface. Uh, you know, they're big. Um, everyone loves their volatility smiles, and so you know, you can show the you can show the implied volatility
0: as a function of time to expiration and strike price, right there. And I guess because these are, do you say plotly? I'm sorry, I forgot the pie plots. What you said, we use <laughs> we pie pie fly. Okay. Plotly, I think, so I've kind
1: of, early on, I did some plots in Plotly and there may be some way around that, you know, the interactive, interactivity
0: of Plotly is very nice. Right. So what I was going to say is when these pop up with the PyPlot stuff, you can basically explore the graphs just because it's like the nature of those tools, right?
1: Yeah. PyPlot has an, uh, what is it? PLT.ion that will allow you to use the interactive. So you'll pop up, you'll be able to zoom or pan. Uh, with the
0: usual buttons in the, the window. Okay. let's. You, you mentioned the sentiment. So there's sentiment news. Yeah. Instantly correlating article headline sentiment through NLP models. Yes. Historical price. Yeah. Yeah. So historical for this example,
1: tonight. yeah, this example, this applies a Vader sentiment, uh, right, which is basically just a rules mapping to the certain words to give you a sentiment score. And you can see the stock
0: price on the same chart uh, as from the headlines from our given source. Super cool. All right, yeah. So all these nice different visualizations and so on here. Maybe talk us through what so to get these cool things generated by the Python libraries. What is my experience as somebody sitting at the terminal CLI? Like, how do I pull up, say, the sentiment news thing or or the QSum or so on? As I mentioned, once you launch the
1: terminal, you know, you either use the installer, you know, two clicks and it's up, or you have you run Python terminal.py and you're provided with some options. The first thing you want to do, let's say, you know, for example, we're doing this QSum that's up right here. You would type in into the command line interface. You would type in stocks. Okay,
0: yeah, and it kind of puts it into the stocks mode where different subcommands apply or something, right? Yep.
1: Right. And then once you have there, you'll have a bunch of different menus. You know, you can look at fundamental analysis. You can look at technical analysis. You can do due diligence. You know, we've got a bunch of menus on there. So you would load in your relevant ticker. So you do. Uh, You'd either do load Apple, or we do have some. Uh, if you have the feature flag enabled, if you just type in Apple or you know AAPL, it'll load in. So once you have that ticker loaded in, it does a pandas data frame in memory. So you know from there we can pass it to the different functions. Mm-hmm. And for this, for this particular one, to do the quantitative analysis, I would then type in QA. So when you're on the stocks menu, you know you can type H for help, or you can do a question mark, and it'll parse that. And you'd see QA quantitative analysis with a couple of examples of what you can do there. And then once you go into that menu, it would pop up with different functions and you would type in the function you want. If there's arguments, you know, maybe there's windows or exporting data, you would just type in dash help and you'll get a, or dash H, sorry. And you'll get a a pop-up of the usage and the optional arguments and you would, you know, type in Q sum with whatever your arguments are and you would get this plot.
0: All right, that's very cool to, to hear how that, and that sort of flows through there. All right, what else? Got a bunch of stuff on crypto, like you've got Bitcoin rainbow charts, which I've never seen, but- Yeah, it's fun. That's uh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, just a, a bunch of, you know, open interest by exchange, you know, yeah. exchanges, how much traffic there is, things like that's pretty awesome. The ETFs, let's see. Now, some of these are coming up as just almost like- um, some of them even come up almost like a report. you got an Excel report and you've got yeah, so actually, it looks ETF. like a train station looking like, here's the incoming information or whatever, right?
1: Yeah, and actually, because for example, uh, this ETF Excel report is a third party or third. So one of our contributors has their own database, the author of the finance database, and he has this workbook. It loads in an ETF and it basically does what you see on the screen there. Mm-hmm. And it pops this up in an Excel workbook. Uh, we do have another feature that's DCF. Someone who was working on their MBA at the time said, "Hey, you guys provide the data I need to do a DCF analysis." And so we coded it up, and now we have a DCF analysis uh, tool that uses some linear regression in the terminal, and it all saves to an Excel file.
0: That's cool. And the fact it goes out to Excel that means you could hand it off to somebody who just lives in Excel, and they could still use that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, yeah. we don't want to completely replace Excel because we know it's very widely used. Yeah,
0: but hooking to all these different data sources, real-time data sources, and pulling it together, like, that's not Excel's forte. Yeah, yeah, and that's why. <laughs> that's why. Why should we be doing it for everything? Yeah, okay, so you've got sort of uh, technical analysis stuff. You can compare uh, different stocks and even uh, check out the news over for the ETF interesting we
1: do have over uh well i don't want to say over we're sitting around 700 different functionalities so we do understand it can
0: be slightly uh intimidating at first yeah that was my feeling as well when i first saw this is like wow there's this is pretty intense there's like a lot going on you have to kind of be an expert which is what i was talking about at the beginning like you get into the terminal and you just you know you got to really become an expert but then you get this really great quick power to do it but i would also imagine like you're probably not doing stocks, crypto, ETF, economic analysis, all the same. You're probably focused on one of these areas, right? And the, if you narrow it down, it probably gets more doable Right, right. as you go.
1: And I mean, you know, maybe you're trying... One of the things, for example, we have this econometrics menu, which, you know, one of our target audiences is kind of the academics and in your econometrics course, right? That's basically a linear regression of certain things. So maybe you want to look at the effect of a company's balance sheet on and relate that to inflation. Inflation's hot topic. Right. And you can actually go in into the econometrics menu, load in both of these
0: and do your preferred regression techniques and get some insights. Oh, that's cool. You know, thinking about education, that's a big opportunity for you all, right? It is. People, students are going to be buying Bloomberg terminals and other commercial things most likely, right? Not the high-end ones anyway. Yeah. And so here's a really simple... Way that you could actually, if you're a teacher teaching economics or finance or investing, here's something you could bring into your your class as a resource and really analyze it. Right, when your projects could be okay, pick a stock. These are the questions we have. Back it up with the other data that you can find through these other areas. And exactly, right?
1: Exactly. That's one thing we we love. You know, some of the people we talk with, their experiences for their courses. They have assignments that they need to do, use the one Bloomberg terminal that they have among 30 students. So they're queued up for an hour or two, just to get basically the same data, if you will. And, you know, we, that's one of the things we pain points we'd like to address is everyone can have this on their machine and get the data they need and do the analysis they want to do.
0: This portion of Talk Python to Me is brought to you by the Python at Scale Summit. The Python at Scale Summit is a conference to highlight innovative big data solutions for Python developers and enterprises. You'll learn about trends in the Python big data ecosystem, share stories about implementing solutions, find out about new innovations, and connect with other data scientists using Python. The Python at Scale Summit will be a hybrid conference with talks, workshops, and training. Of course, there will be networking and social events to connect with other Python professionals too. Come here speakers like Matt Rockland from Coiled, Brian Granger from AWS, and many others from amazing organizations such as NASA, Capital One, and BCG. Get back together with your peers and learn how they're scaling their computation and data analysis using Python and the data science stack. Register at talkpython.fm slash python dash at dash scale. When you visit the link, be sure to use the code TALKPYTHON, all caps, to get 15% off your tickets. That's code talkPython at talkpython.fm slash Python at scale. The links in your podcast player show notes. Thanks to the summit for supporting the podcast. I don't think it would be a very detailed thing, but it would be also interesting that the professor or the instructor could say, look, here in the source code, these four lines of code, this is showing, this is where it's doing that theory we talked about last week. Like, here's how it's applying this model. And I don't expect you to totally understand the code, but like you could see this is, this is how software does it. You know, you could have a little bit more insight. Whereas a lot of the commercial things, if they're a website for sure. But even if they're just compiled closed source, yep. you won't, you won't be able to do that. We
1: had a contributor reach out to us, uh, part of the from Greece, part of their software business course was to submit a pull request somewhere. So he reached out to us. He did a nice little report. He did a pull request, added a feature to the terminal. So, you know, using the theory in class there another professor reached out to us he had his students write a kind of an intro guide for us that we're gonna that we're kind of working with and we're gonna make uh,
0: available okay awesome yeah the intro guide for openbb for his students or something like that yeah 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 nice all right let me just sort of skim through here there's a yeah <laughs> there's a several feature so'm I'm, I'm not so sure I want to touch on all of them but every single one of them you come to almost like some of them are just sort of tables but so many of them like this portfolio optimization you know, it's yeah. it's beautiful. It looks really good, and
1: the pie plot's really good.
0: Uh, the rainbow chart's always a fun one. It's you know, it's really pretty. I like it a lot. These are these are great. So I just, to me, it feels like something. If I were working doing this kind of stuff, it would be pleasing to sit down and, and look at these graphs and this analysis rather than. Oh boy. you know, there's just some software you look at like it, it does the job, but it, it doesn't make you feel good using it while it's doing the job. You know, yeah, like Battleship Gray or I don't know something. And like also, that. I, I,
1: like I mentioned too, we let you can customize the colors. Even if you want to change the terminal colors when you launch our terminal, you'll see some blues and reds. If you want it to be orange and green, you can go in and change it. It's fully customizable. Cool.
0: So there's a. A Jupyter section as well? There is? Yeah, tell us about the Jupyter section. I think that's a a super big tie-in for Python people.
1: There's two ways you could really make the most out of Jupyter. The first way is we've started kind of building an API wrapper for a lot of our our functions. So one thing we haven't gone into is a little bit the architecture. You know, we use like an MVC model view controller where all these plots are generated in the view and we can wrap that into an API and you can import that so, in Jupyter, cool. you know, if, you're, if your workflow is, you know, X, Y, and Z in the terminal, you can, you know, from OpenBB terminal, import the API as whatever as OpenBB, OpenBB view,
0: view stock, Apple, whatever, however that works. And you can create your workflows there. I see. You get a plot back and you just plot.show or just like yeah. empty one line it and it goes on there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you do an inline. You can also do, you can adjust it, uh, right? So, we'll wrap. The API wraps our load function so you can load in your stock and, you know, maybe you want to resample it, or maybe you want to make your own machine learning yeah. model or whatever you want to do. You can do that with the API. Another interesting thing is that we use paper mill to automatically run some reports. So for uh, the example in the terminal, there's a default example called equity dot, uh, well, it's equity notebook. Mm-hmm. And if you go into the terminal So once it launches, you go to the reports menu, just by typing reports, you type in equity, Apple, or whatever your ticker is, it'll run through paper mill, which automatically fills in, you know, your ticker, whatnot generates a predefined PDF, basically with it's fully customizable, we have some fun widgets that you can play around with. And you know, you can add KPIs, hey, if I don't know, if you if the RSI is higher, if insider trading is low. I think those are some of the examples. So you can yeah. create your own custom notebooks, kind of automate
0: your research workflow. That's super interesting. I haven't spoken about Papermill for a while in here, but it's a really interesting project, I think from the Netflix team, right? I have no idea. I think so. Maybe tell people just a bit about what the whole purpose of Papermill is, what it is.
1: Well, what we use Papermill for is to basically just automatically execute a notebook template You kind of have to go a little bit into the metadata of the Jupyter notebook and there's a cell that has like parameters and by the terminal, we can parse what the argument is. You know, for example, the ticker. Right. Basically all the same commands will be run just replacing the ticker with whatever is executed. So Papermill is just a really nice, very great tool at wrapping Jupyter. Yeah.
0: It turns uh, notebooks almost into functions that you can call. But the output is the notebook in the form that has the results, (laughs) the intermediate results and the pictures and everything, not just the answer like a a function would have.
1: Yep, you get the whole notebook and you know you can customize it PDF, HTML.
0: You can send it to your buddies. You touched on the architecture a bit. Maybe we could dive into that just a a little bit more. What are some of the notable things about how this is built?
1: As I kind of into that, actually specifically said, our code is, we use an MVC structure, so model view controller. Mm -hmm. So how this goes and, you know, for example, every submenu will have a controller, and we do, we have abstracted that so that, you know, there's
0: a base controller and a base stocks controller that inherit all the same methods, save ourselves a little bit of redundancy. So this controller is like parsing and processing the commands you send in the terminal CLI. Something I failed to, failed to mention was that we use arg parse. Yeah.
1: So the controller wraps in, it basically takes in, it adds, it creates an arg parse object adds the arguments, and then does the parsing, makes sure that, you know, if I type in, you know, if I try to load a stock ticker, that's four, not an actual ticker. If I try to enter a number, it'll say, hey, you need to be a ticker. You know, it does some Mm -hmm. of the logic. Our model functions get the data, transfer the data, edit the data, uh, modify it, Mm -hmm. manipulate it in certain ways. And then the views do either tables, graphs. So, you know, Mm -hmm. for example, but if you look at how we do our fundamental analysis, The workflow is the controller has income and we, the way we do it, the function is called call income. We just kind of add this call underscore to whatever you type into the terminal. And that call income is a method of the controller. So that'll, you can add the arguments and for example, the income statement has an argument that's dash L that tells you how many quarters you want to get. So the namespace, so the parser, the arg parse namespace then has the information stored. So we know, hey, we're trying to get income and we're trying to get five quarters. So that will call the view, which will then pass in, you know, the view will say, hey, Alpha Vantage model, get me my five quarters of Apple income statements. And that'll return it as a data frame. And, you know, either, I guess that, that function doesn't have a graph, but if it's a graphing function, it would do your graph.
0: Well, graph pops up the window in the PyPlot window. Yep. And then... Off it goes. That's really interesting. I have never really thought about how you might do the processing of CLI commands, but within an application. When I think arg parse, I think startup, like what commands are passed to my application during startup to figure it out. But of course, as you continue to issue commands, if that's text on a line, it makes sense to sort of treat it the same, right?
1: Yeah. And well, we actually do on startup actually do have arg parse. So you can, you know, for example, the, uh, my favorite, my favorite flag that we have for the terminal is debug. That way you can actually get a full, instead of catching all the errors, right? Cause if, if we're not catching all the errors in the terminal, it would crash every time you added an sure. exception or whatnot. Uh, but with this debug flag, it'll actually show you the full stack trace instead of just the exception. So we actually do wrap around the startup and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we also do like, and, uh, we have a reset command that if you're in the terminal, you type in reset and, you know, maybe you changed an API key or you're developing, you change your function, you reload it Uh, you hit reset, it'll relaunch the terminal, it'll exit then relaunch. Mm-hmm. So that's the general, general
0: workflow. Yeah. Does the terminal run in whatever terminal of your OS? Like if I have iTerm set up on my Mac, it'll run there. If I have, you know, Windows Terminal and PowerShell, it'll run over there. Yeah. Just uh, make sure you're in the right directory. Okay. Fantastic. Super, super interesting.
1: And also, I can even add a uh, add a statement that doing this MVC allows us to have different views. I know one thing you'll probably ask me about is that we have these
0: bots on our website. Yeah, I did notice over here that you have a products, so you got a terminal, and then documentation, and then you have coming soon bots. Yeah, coming soon bots. I do remember now what I'm going to ask you, but let's talk bots for a second. Yeah, and then we'll come back to it.
1: So bots, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to give away. We do have some exciting announcement coming soon. And I would like to take this opportunity to apologize to anyone that's trying to get this, uh, get the Discord bot in our server as we're currently limited to the maximum 100 servers we can be in without the verification that we're working on. Got it.
0: So under the listing here, you have bots coming for Discord, Telegram, Slack, and more. And, uh, yeah, I guess news is coming, huh?
1: Yep. Yeah. And all of this, one of the kind of using MVC, we're able to extract, abstract all of our methods. And, you know, then we can just, you know, we do all the processing on the same model function, and then we can pass it
0: to different views for Discord or Telegram or Slack. i share or comment as much as you can, but, you know, like you can build a Slack bot in Flask, for example, or something like that, right? Where it kind of uses a web communication to to talk to your bot. And so I guess you could do things like go into Slack and say, open, hey, OpenBB bot, tell me about important events. In stock, or I've been watching this thing. If it crosses the threshold, just yell at me about it. Right, let me know. Yeah, something like that. Is that kind of the flow?
1: Pretty much. Does some async stuff. It's running on a server somewhere, and it waits to waits to read in the command. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. A one, the question I wanted to ask you is: is what I've seen so far looks like really cool ways to? I mean, all of it's static, so you can only read so much into it. But it looks like. Let me answer a question about this information either historical or sort of up to now about some stock or the economy or whatever. Is there a way to have like a dashboard where I can put different things up and they're just constantly turning with real data? That is possible. Yes. Not the main use case, but possible. I mean, it is possible and uh, I'll leave it at that, that it is possible. Okay, All right. Sounds good. (laughs) That was the one I was asking about. Yeah. All right. Now, one thing I want to touch on here before we get too far away with time is... Two things stood out to me when I went and sort of clicked around your site. Oh, that's pretty interesting. I can't remember, you know, some news article that talked about OpenBB that I thought was pretty interesting. And I come over here. Okay. Wow. This is really pretty, pretty cool. It's open source and so on. The other one is like right across the top. It says announcing our $8.5 million seed fund funding and public launch. That sounds like a, a non-trivial <laughs> deal. That's, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, um,
1: yeah, that' a pretty big deal for us. I would think. So, yeah, I mean, actually, fun fun fact about this was that so uh, Didier and I were just doing this for fun on the side, you know. And then my wife and I we got married in twenty or about a year ago, actually, a year ago in eleven days. Oh, cool. So we're on our honeymoon in Napa Valley, on good old land of the VC. And on our last night there, <laughs> fun day of of wine touring and whatnot, I get a LinkedIn message from. Someone saying, "Hey, we're interested in investing in you." And needless to say, that turned into into meeting up with uh, meeting up with him. On a quick twenty minute chat the day of driving through San Francisco mm-hmm. before actually trying to get out to Alcatraz because
0: we had that scheduled. <laughs> wow! How what funny timing? On one hand, it's like terrible timing. On other, it's perfect. You're right there. Yeah, I mean, I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm in Napa,"
1: and uh, so I'll give a shout out to JJ over at OSS Capital. He's been fantastic working with us. Uh, JJ was like, uh, I will meet you wherever you are right now. And I'm like, man, I am not in any state to be talking to anyone right now. <laughs> so uh, it was a, it was a great opportunity to reach out with him. They led the round. We have a, uh, we have a great group of angels on board as well.
0: I guess there's a, a couple other call outs I want to make real quick. One, Travis Oliphant is an advisor to you all, which is pretty awesome. People Surely know him as one of the founders of Anaconda.
1: Yep. Travis is on board as an advisor
0: for us. It's been fantastic working with him, getting to know him a little bit. That's super cool. Then also Naval Rivikant mm-hmm. is one of the investors. And I know him from this quarter storm thing turned into a discussion called How to Get Rich. Have you listened to this? Parts. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, pretty fascinating. So he's involved as well, which is pretty cool. Awesome. I, I think that's really neat. You know, like I said, congratulations to you guys. You keep going get, get, to keep working on this, but... Open source projects often struggle to get support, even when it blows my mind that they do. See projects like requests or Flask or something like that. And so much of the world and the tech world in particular, where there's tons of extra money and there's not very much support, right? You know, as far as I know, David Lord isn't just mostly on his yacht and periodically accepting PRs. But if if you think of how foundational some of these projects are, For so many companies, it seems almost like David should be on a yacht. You know what I mean? Like it should be easier for them to get really strong support. And here's an example of a company getting really good support, giving away to some degree. Can you talk about what the business model is or is it just growth and attention and features for now?
1: Primarily, we want to focus on growth and really hammering on the user experience. You know, one of the things you talked about is, you know, maybe when someone fires this up, they're not used to seeing a textual type thing where I need to type in all the commands there. Everyone's just used used to buttons, fancy web apps. So right now we really want to hammer home the user experience, make
0: it as fluid as possible. We're working on documentation. We're working on guides. Yeah. It seems like something that would lend itself really well to a bunch of small video videos on like you could just say, help this goes, would you like to watch a video on how to do this? two minutes. Yes. All right. I'll watch the video. You <laughs> just like pop that up or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. And you know, some, a series of those. Yeah. Cause for example, you know, fundamental analysis or technical analysis are buried three or four menus down. And if you're downloading the tool to, to do that, you know, maybe you're going to be intimidated at first cause you don't know
0: where it is. Right. So we really want to try I couldn't find it or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So right now uh, we want to
0: focus on the community and we want to focus on the user experience. Cool. All right. Well, you've definitely got a little runway. There. So that's great. A little bit. How many people are working on it now? So our team is,
1: uh, our team, first off, shout out to everyone bothering me on Slack during this. (laughs) Uh, I'm
0: ignoring you because I'm talking about you. Okay.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. So, uh, shout out. We're about, uh, we're at 15 right now. Awesome. I'll take this opportunity, uh, to mention that we do have some open job postings on our website as well at the moment. Oh, really? Okay. Just throwing that out there, uh, on our website, OpenBB.co slash company
0: slash careers. Yeah. So I'm guessing some of these are, are Python-related yep. yep. ones? Currently, we're looking uh, for uh, for DevOps, and
1: we're also looking for some social media managers at the time. Cool. Remote an option?
0: 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100% remote, flexible hours. Very cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people are, are interested in finding new jobs. On one hand, you know, if you're a software developer, you can kind of find jobs pretty easily these days because there's such a demand, but on the other, it's like, well, you can have this job, but all right, you got to move to this city that you don't already live in or you don't want to move to, or you want to change countries or whatever, right? So I think I think remote's pretty awesome. We're spread out all over the globe, so it's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's the way it should be. people. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's, that's about all I had to ask about all the things I wanted to make sure we covered, but it's something really cool you all built with Python and the data science stack and Open source growth is cool and the, the funding is looks real positive. So awesome. I guess sounds like you accept PRs. People want to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like one of those projects that is very easy, not easy, but very open to contributions because it has so many sort of standalone little features like, oh, I want to add this new algorithm or this new picture to this, this part of it, right? It, it, you don't have to understand the whole system massively in order to do that, right?
1: Yeah, this was actually the first open source project that I myself worked on. I picked a good one to start on. No PR is too small. No issue. We are on Discord. I know a lot of people are huge fans of putting the support there, saying, hey, come on Discord, but we're there. If anyone has questions on how to install,
0: how to submit a PR, any ideas, we're around to talk. Awesome. All right, James, before you get out of here, though, I've got to ask you the final two questions. Shoot. Sure. All right. So if you're going to work on this, write some Python code, what are, what editor do you open up these days?
1: Oh, man. So I'm going to get a lot of I'm going to get a lot of bad feedback from my team on this one. But I am a PyCharm person. Git scares me. And the fact that I can open up a, a GUI window, I am um, makes my life a lot easier. Everyone else uses VS Code. So there's always a constant debate.
0: Well, you won't get any uh, feedback, negative feedback from me. I think PyCharm is awesome. I, I use it as well. And like, all the PR features and Git features built into it are, are pretty excellent. Yeah. VS Code is also great. Uh, it is. It's love, love to those guys as well. Yeah. I think, you know, when I started asking this question, six, like seven years ago, whatever it was, it was like, I don't know what this person, like, I really don't know what this person is going to say. It could be anything. It could be some like random thing I haven't even heard of. I'm like that's an editor. Okay, let me research that. These days, it's really down. It's down to two contenders, pretty much, unless you get the the Vim Emacs angle, which is not as popular. But yeah, it's, it's down to those two, pretty much. Yeah, awesome. no pad. Yeah, you just got got to read some. All right, and then. A uh, notable PyPI package. Something you want to give a shout out to?
1: Oh man, we have so many. As I said, you know, two hundred ish. One of the ones that's been uh, really great. Another open source project, uh, the rich package. That's what we use to add all the colorful text interfaces, mm-hmm. as well as the prompt toolkit. Another great open source package that uh, that's what does our auto
0: completes and whatnot to try to make a little bit easier on the user experience. That's fantastic. Okay, and so there's two. I like prompt toolkit as well, and of course, rich. And, you know, speaking of textual textual I.O., right? Speaking of open source projects, that is not the right one. (laughs) It's really cool that Will McGugan has got textualize.io is what I was looking for. Has has really found a place building great TUIs, text user interfaces, with Rich. And there's just so many things based on it. And he also has um, some funding as well to keep going there, which is, I think, another one of the bright, Awesome pieces of news around sort of you know vibrant open source and Python. The rich package is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's all we do, All we use now. That's awesome. It's like got some crazy new feature every week. It's always pretty much. It's never never sitting still. All right. Yeah. Well, James, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing a look with your project. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great. You bet. See you later. All right. Thank you. Go Bills. Go Chiefs. <laughs> This has been another episode of Talk Python to Me. Thank you to our sponsors. Be sure to check out what they're offering. It really helps support the show. Take some stress out of your life. Get notified immediately about errors and performance issues in your web or mobile applications with Sentry. Just visit talkpython.fm Sentry and get started for free. And be sure to use the promo code talkpython, all one word. Sign up for the Python at Scale conference to connect with your data science colleagues and learn about trends in the Python big data ecosystem. Share stories about implementing solutions and find out about innovations in our space. Visit talkpython.fm slash python at dash scale. That's talkpython.fm slash python at scale. And use code talkpython to get 15% off your ticket. Want to level up your Python? We have one of the largest catalogs of Python video courses over at TalkPython. Our content ranges from true beginners to deeply advanced topics like memory and async. And best of all, there's not a subscription in sight. Check it out for yourself at training.talkpython.fm. Be sure to subscribe to the show, open your favorite podcast app, and search for Python. We should be right at the top. You can also find the iTunes feed at slash iTunes, the Google Play feed at slash play, and the direct RSS feed at slash RSS on talkpython.fm. We're live streaming most of our recordings these days. If you want to be part of the show and have your comments featured on the air, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at talkpython.fm slash YouTube. This is your host, Michael Kennedy. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Now get out there and write some Python code.